0: Today we continue on in a series called God in the Workplace, and the series is focused on how our faith as followers of Christ and our life in all of our various workplaces overlap. And so there are a couple of questions that come up in that. Number one, how do we bring our faith into our workplace and number two, how do we make sense of our workplace in light of our faith? Now, our workplace could be the place you go to do the work, the job that you have. If you're a student, then your school is your workplace. If you're retired, then your workplace is whatever you do as a retired person that that you consider to be work. And so when you think of work, think of all that we do uh, where we are exerting ourselves uh, for something uh, outside of ourselves. As a part of this series, we are showing videos of different people in our congregation and their different workplaces, and it just gives us a glimpse of how other people see their faith and their workplace overlap. I invite you to turn your attention to the screen uh, to see this week's focus.
1: My name is Katie Dunn, I am a fifth grade elementary teacher in Friendship ISD. A normal day in a fifth grade classroom, it's actually never really normal, but um, we come in and start class. There's lots of different personalities, so there's lots of different kids to reach throughout the day. It wasn't until I was a sophomore in college at South Plains um, that I decided I wanted to be a teacher. I was going to do physical therapy, Um, The science classes just were wearing me down every day and I didn't think it was something that I um, would be comfortable doing for my whole life. Um, I started thinking a lot about my second grade elementary teacher and how she changed things for me when it came to school and um, I told my mom one night, I was like, I just keep thinking that I can be some kid's Miss Daniel and um, so that's kind of what led me to decide to become a teacher and an elementary teacher at that. So this is my first year to teach. I've been around the school system my whole life. Both of my parents are teachers, so I grew up um, running on the hallways after school waiting for them to be done, but actually stepping into the role of the teacher is a lot more challenging than I expected. I didn't really know the day in and day out of what it was to be a teacher, Um, so it's definitely been an eye-opening experience, but it's um, an awesome and rewarding experience every day as well. I see God working through me in the classroom and when it comes to those difficult days and those difficult students, there are so many times where it's easy to completely lose your temper in the classroom and there have been so many times that it can only be explained from God being there that I've been able to step back um, and approach it in a much better manner than your gut instinct is to approach a behavior situation. So we do have a moment of silence every day during announcements after our pledges and I take that time um, to say a quick prayer to myself or to God and I just pray that I can learn as much from the kids as they're learning from me that day and that I can be a better teacher in that moment than I was the day before. Just knowing that I can lift them up in prayer every day when they need it just kind of put you at ease a little bit, knowing that God is going to be there for them throughout whatever they're going through..
0: Katie goes to our nine thirty service.'s been coming here for several years now. is a joy to be able to uh, interview her and be there in her workplace. And lo and behold, if it's not teachers' appreciation week this week. so, if you know a teacher, would you express your appreciation to that teacher in whatever way you feel so led? Teachers are absolutely integral uh, just to the function of society, uh, not uh, much less the, the health and livelihood of our society. And so uh, what a great work that is and a great work that is worthy to be honored. So go honor a teacher or a school administrator this week. So as I was saying last week, we were looking at Genesis chapter 1, and this series is really every sermon is somewhat built on the one before, so you can always go back, and I encourage you to go back and listen to previous sermons if you were not able to uh, be here last Sunday. You can do that at fumc.com. Uh, slash sermons or you can also just do that uh, through our podcast on the inside of your bulletin at the very bottom of the left side of the page are instructions on how to subscribe to our podcast so you can do that and you can stay up with what is going on in this series as it kind of builds upon itself. Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1 is Is God creating all things and God creating all things according to the Bible is God's very work God has been working from the beginning what that means is work is good work is good okay let's say it together one two three work is good Let's do it one more time just in case we weren't listening to ourselves one two three work is good okay so work is ultimately good and then God creates humans in his image and what that means is that he created humans to rule over the work that God started so that means we were made to work okay so we're gonna say this I was made to work are you ready one two three I was made to work. Let's do it one more time. I was made to work. Now, for some of y'all, that's easy. Y'all love your work. Some of us, we love our work just a little too much, maybe. And many people, however, have to like drag themselves out of bed in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror and and say something along the effect of, I was made to work, or I have to work, or I'm going to not get my mortgage paid and they're going to kick me out on the street. That kind of a thing, right? So what is our relationship to work? That's really where we're going with this. And ultimately, our relationship with work has to do and is ultimately connected to our relationship with God. Your relationship with God and your relationship with work are inseparable, Today, we continue on in Genesis chapter 2. And Genesis chapter 2 tells a little bit different story of how things begin. God goes and forms out of the dust of the ground a man. And he breathes into that man the breath of life. And then God comes over here and he plants this garden of trees that bear fruit. And, and He causes the trees to come out of the ground. And then God takes the man and He says, I have made you to take care of this garden. So He puts the man right in the middle of the garden in order to till it and to keep it. God then commands the man, You may eat of any tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are not to eat. What we have here is the very first boss to employee relationship. The first command. The first mission. The first work. God is the boss. Adam is the employee. And God gives him a command. You can, take, you can eat of anything but that one. Till this, till this garden. Take care of it. Then God looks around and says, this guy can't handle all this on his own. This guy's gonna need some help, right, ladies? He's gonna need a little help. So he says, I'm gonna create a partner for him who will come alongside him and tend to this garden with him. And so God creates woman. And man and woman are there, and their first purpose is to work this garden together. What we have here is the first Co worker relationship. Okay? The first two human beings to be created are the first two co workers to ever exist. And everything so far is working well. The scripture says in the end of Genesis chapter 2 that they were naked and not ashamed. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Now I want to just put a pause button right here. Okay? Because Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are two of the most pure chapters in all of the Bible. After Genesis chapter 2, once, once we cross that line, we can never, we can never go back. Okay? Once we cross that line, it gets really messy. So let's just pause and acknowledge for a moment that what we have is a perfect working environment where the boss has given a command. He has said, enjoy this take care of this, and everybody is working well. I've always wondered, did this state of reality exist for 15 minutes, 15 hours? Was all well in the world for 15 months or 15 years? We don't have any perspective of time, but we do know that for a while that all was right. That all relationships were good. There was work to be done. There was one in authority. And he had given this authority to this man and this woman. All right. Are we ready to jump into Genesis chapter 3? All right. Here we go. Let's jump in. All right. So in comes this serpent. And the serpent comes and he inquires about the boss's command. Did God say that you should not eat of any of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? And Eve says to the boss, the boss uh, says to the serpent, the boss says that we can eat of any tree but that one. And then the serpent proceeds to say, the boss is not giving you the full truth. The boss is holding back on you. He knows that you will be like him if you come to the place where you eat of the tree of the tree. knowledge of good and evil. And so Eve believes the lie and she takes of the fruit, sees that it is good for food and eats it herself, gives it to her co-worker and he looks at it and he eats it as well. Immediately their eyes are open and they realize I'm naked. I am ashamed. And so they take fig leaves and they cover each other with fig leaves in order to protect themselves and hide themselves from the shame that they feel from one another. And then they hear the boss walking in the garden. And what do they do? For the first time, they hide from the boss. This is the first time in all of work history where a coworker says, the boss is come and get to work or hide under your desk. This is it right here. We've been doing it ever since. We've been resisting authority ever since. The boss comes, says, where are you? Adam says, well, I was naked, so I was afraid. The boss says, who told you that you were naked? And thus we have entered into a world that we can't ever get back, at least for now. There is a sense of separation There is separation between the co-workers as they cover up themselves. And there is separation from the boss as they are hiding from the boss now. They're afraid of the boss, whereas they weren't afraid before. Something grave has happened here in Genesis chapter 3. From this point on, sin and corruption and separation has pervaded everything. Every single workplace since, even the healthiest of work environments experiences this. Consider how this sin has filtered into your work world. Maybe there is envy among coworkers. Perhaps there's gossip in the office. Maybe somebody's cutting corners. Anybody cheating the company, perhaps? What about people? Who might be taken advantage of? What about inappropriate relationships among coworkers? Or what about just a laziness, a slothfulness, and an unwillingness to engage the work before? An unwillingness to accept responsibility for what one has or has not done in their work. Any of these sound familiar to you in your workplace? Sin has corrupted. Our work. Work was good, but now it's been corrupted by sin. These are all manifestations of this problem of separation. Separation from one another because of our shame. And separation from God. Because we are living in disobedience. Work was good, but work has been corrupted. What to do? What to do to fix this problem? Well, corporate policies and manuals just continue to expand and expand and expand, right? And we're trying to stop and prevent some of these issues. Fortunately, while those will only go so far in fixing the problem, the boss with a capital B is still in control. Adam and Eve and the serpent have not entirely thwarted the goodness of creation. If the problem is separation, then the solution is reconciliation. The first hint of that reconciliation comes in Genesis chapter 3. This very chapter that we stepped into this mess, we don't even get out of the chapter Before God begins to do something about the problem. And if you just read through Genesis 3, you might not catch it. But it's in Genesis 3, verse 21. And it says, And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. That's it. What does that imply? And what does that mean? Well, the first thing it implies is that if God made a garment of skin, he had to kill something in order to have that garment. Up up until now, everybody was vegetarian. All was good. Nobody had died. God slaughters an animal, takes the skin, the garment of that, and he covers them with it. He covers their shame. He covers their sense of shame. self-whatever. And then, before removing them from the garden, this is a promise. That, that blood has been shed and that blood that has been shed is, is a promise of something to happen and that the covering of the shameful self is also a promise. Scripture says, in the new testament that god has reconciled us to himself through the cross of jesus christ it says that god has reconciled entire groups of people to one another under the cross of jesus christ colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says through jesus god was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. Do you know that Romans crucified people while they were naked? A Roman crucifixion was intended Not just to kill somebody, but to absolutely humiliate them, to shame them, to send a message to the rest of the world, this is what happens when you mess with Rome. You won't just die, but you will die a very painful, humiliating death. It is one of the most dehumanizing institutions in the history of humankind. Adam and Eve were naked and they realized that they were ashamed. Jesus, though he was fully obedient to the boss, though he complied with every command, Jesus was naked. And it wasn't his own shame because he had no shame, but it was the shame of the world hung on that cross with him. Your shame and my shame. All of our insecurities right there, dying on a cross with Jesus. He's taken on the sin of the world and the shame of the world. This is God's only begotten son. And because God has done that in his son Jesus, we can look upon that cross and realize blood has been shed. Which means forgiveness of sins has been offered. Which means reconciliation can happen. Also, it means that there is a covering and that our our shame no longer has to define who we are. And that we can rejoice in the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who took the shame of the world upon Himself. Separation from God, and from one another. Overcome by what God has done in Jesus Christ. And when we are reconciled to the boss with a capital B, when you realize who the big boss is, when you pray to him, and you worship him with your life, and you bow down to him, and you acknowledge him as the Lord over all things, and you give your life to him as he gave his own life for you. Then all of a sudden, your earthly boss gets real small. And when you realize that Jesus, the ultimate human, came right along alongside us and wants us to be a coworker with him, then not only do you have a boss who is good and right and true, but you have a coworker who is working right alongside with you, then you can love your coworkers as well. When we realize what God has done for us in the cross, it empowers us to love others. You can tolerate that person next to you who drives you crazy. You can forgive others. You can even lovingly confront them. You can love them. They may not love you back but you can still love them as you've been commanded to do because of what Christ has done for us. And so let us ask God to come into our hearts with the power of the cross, the power of Jesus, who gave his life up for us in order to cover us up and to forgive us of our sins. That we would love our earthly boss, our co-workers, because we love our heavenly boss. Let us pray.